A man who does have a 3080 and has a vertical leap of 45 inches is our guest tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome for the wide receiver of the Houston Texans, Chris Conley. Chris, glad to have you here, man. Man, thank you guys for having me. Congratulations on becoming a Texan, by the way. You excited to throw on the blue and red jersey? I am. I haven't worn navy in a while, uh, since high school, actually. So um, I'm looking forward to it. It's about time to bring the color back. That is, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm looking forward to playing in an indoor. You know, I've played in a lot of extreme weather, uh, cold, uh, snow, heat. Uh, but now playing in an indoor, I'm looking forward to that uh, for sure. Definitely for my feet. You want that indoor air conditioning and be totally comfortable. I feel you. Exactly. Uh, you know, games are tough enough as is. Uh, so take a little bit of load off with the with the weather. Uh, it's a welcome change. Love it. Now, are you already making plans for the big move out to Houston? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, looking at a couple of different houses. Uh, in the Houston area, getting ready for that move. Uh, and we'll be heading out there uh, within the next couple months or so. Very cool. So already making the plans, got to figure out how you're going to get your PC out there as well, I know. So <laughs> yeah, you know, I think at this point, um, my rigs here at my house in Atlanta are kind of big. So I think I'm going to just build a smaller gaming streaming PC and take that with me because these, these are water cooled, they're massive. And uh, I don't know if I want to lug that around the country. I feel you, man. Just just create a new uh, build and you'll be you'll be set. Exactly. You know, this uh, COVID gave me a lot of time to build PCs and I'm a big fan of these ones that I got here. Uh, they were kind of my project PCs. You know, I made them uh, very stylized. One is uh, themed after Marvel's uh, Black Panther. The other one's themed after Killmonger. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about them, but they're they're way too heavy to be traveling with. Now, I know you're a total foodie. Please tell me you've already put together the list of barbecue spots you're going to be hitting up in the town. Uh, I haven't put the list together, but thankfully there's been a lot of Houston fans who've been uh, in my stream and they've been dropping a bunch of suggestions in my Discord. And so I'm going to go to that list and I'm just going to hit them up one by one and go and eat at all those spots. It's going to be stiff competition, though. I was in Kansas City for four years. Their food is excellent and the barbecue is really good. But I'm interested to see what Texas has. Discord's got you covered. I mean, they, they probably have told you all the brisket to get, all like the barbecued ribs, the, where to I go. Have so. An extensive list, a very extensive list, not just barbecue, but Tex-Mex, uh, Italian, anything you could think of. I've got a list of it and uh, I'm looking forward to eating it. Everything. Love it. Now, you've been enjoying your time off. Most recently, you went to Guatemala. Was this a place you always wanted to go to visit or did you spin the globe and this was the place where your finger landed? Uh, I actually have a, a friend that I met uh, traveling. I really like traveling. Uh, I'm a big last minute travels, uh, just solo traveling by myself, uh, grabbing a backpack, staying either in a small hotel or a hostel. So uh, two years ago, I was traveling. I was in the Dominican Republic. I was down there to surf for a little bit, uh, was bunking up with a bunch of other people from across the world who were traveling. And I met a guy uh, named Marco. We hit it off. Uh, he's super smart, brainy guy, speaks five languages, worked for NATO. Um, and uh, basically we we kept in touch and he was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm back at home in Guatemala. 
uh, if you got if you want to take a trip, you're you're welcome to come down here. And it was about the time that I was ready to take another solo trip. So I just hopped on a plane, head down there, and uh, we lived out of a truck uh, and and in a couple of rooms uh, for for the weekend and just caught some waves. And it was a good time. I mean, you really take the phrase spontaneous adventures to its literal meaning. I mean, that, it sounded pretty spontaneous. And what an adventure. Now, being the off-season and in quarantine has made a lot of pro athletes extremely restless. You, on the other hand, seem to be pretty chill in your game room, just streaming and gaming. Does gaming provide an outlet for energy or just a way for you to decompress? Um, I think it's I think it's both. Uh, but definitely for me, I use gaming more as a, a way to decompress, especially during the season when I come home from work. You know, you're around the same guys every day all year for eight months out of a year. Uh, and that can get on your nerves. So when I come home, I'd like to not really heap all of that stress onto my family. Uh, so I, you know, sit down, I'll play games for 30 minutes to an hour just to decompress and then go and, and be with everyone. But, uh, also in quarantine, you know, lots of energy, uh, and finding ways to really channel that into competitive gaming when you can't leave the house or the hotel, uh, was very good for me. Does any of your teammates actually call you up and be like, hey, I want to hop in the game with you? Or you're like, hey, I'm not playing with you right now on the actual turf, so I'm just uh, I'm just doing me right now. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah, so there's there's a lot of guys, you know, on, on my previous team in Jacksonville, there were a lot of gamers uh, and, and they would get together. They they normally play just one game. They normally just play Call of Duty. Uh, but I'm kind of I kind of like to branch out more. I get bored if I play one game for too long. Uh, and that's the sign of a game like me really liking a game if I can stick with it for more than a couple of weeks. Uh, but, you know, when I when it was time for me to rotate back to Call of Duty and play some games, I would play with teammates. Yeah, Chris, let's talk about your gaming rig. How long did it take you to build this bad boy? What's under the hood? So my gaming rig was kind of the culmination of me learning a lot about computers. Uh, quarantine gave me a lot of time to be in the house. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn how to build uh, gaming PCs. So my gaming rig here. Uh, is a Ryzen 5800X, uh, 6900XT, uh, and uh, tons of memory. And uh, my RAM speeds, uh, it's a little volatile right now. We'll see if uh, with some updates I can I can clock it higher. But I have some pretty, pretty fast RAM in there. I just can't clock it up all the way uh, and have the computer be stable. But uh, it's a great rig. Uh, I can run and get high frames. I can get 120, 140 frames at 4K. So pretty good. Are you overclocking your CPU with this bad boy? Um, I'm not, I'm not pushing it too far. Uh, I think that AMD has done a good job with their precision boost overdrive. It's kind of their auto overclocking feature. I've played around with the overclocks. Uh, and when these chips first came out, it was, it was a little bit volatile. You know, I could push it a little bit and some days it would be stable and it'd be fine. And other days, uh, sometimes I would push it too much and it would become unstable. So I really just let it auto overclock. Uh, and it's been doing great for me. You know, I've, I've gotten five, 10 frames here and, and honestly, not many monitors can run over 150 frames at 4k. So, uh, it's, it's doing great. Chris, I am totally impressed. Uh, when I first built up my gaming PC, I just went to my friend who knew about PCs. He just gave me a part list that says, go for it. You were self-taught, so you know, tip the hat to you, sir. Appreciate it. I made a lot of errors on the way, and some were very costly. But I think that you know, quarantine, it really pushed me to do stuff that wasn't typical of building your first PC. I built my first PC, and five days later, being bored in the house, I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn how to water cool. I stripped it apart and I bought a different case. I had a micro center down the street from my house 
And I, I literally learned how to hard tube water cool within five days of building my first PC. And I built that twice. And then I went small form factor and I built in a mini ITX case. And I said, you know what? That's not good enough. And then I learned how to water cool in a mini ITX case. Uh, and this all happened over the course of four months. It just makes you appreciate that much more too, that not only you built it, but you learn from this whole process, uh, you know, through that. Yeah. Now, I mean, if anything goes wrong with my PC, I can fix it myself. I don't have to ask anyone. I just had a pump die in my streaming PC. And before we got on the interview today, I just drained that PC, took it apart, uh, replaced the pump and put it back together. So uh, I think that it's of invaluable information. And I've been able to help a number of teammates, too, uh, who have uh, gaming PCs. When they have issues, I can usually fix it for them. I know who I'm calling when uh, my custom water loop system goes goes bad. So thank you. <laughs> gotcha. I got you. Now, you're not just gaming on this battle station. You're also reading screenplays on it as well. Chris, you have to be the only athlete I know who reads screenplays. Now, I read screenplays every day back when I was at USC Film School, and I still enjoy reading them. Do you read these scripts to get inspired or just to see how the words from the page transfer to the silver screen? Mostly the latter. I like to see how uh, these films uh, translate to the screen, but it's so interesting to see how the medium uh, of film is, is transforming and who these young writers are and where they're going. Because, you know, when I finish football, I would love to step into a writer's room uh, or step behind a camera and direct things. And so it's more of a learning process for me. Having, you know, gone to I went to journalism school and found out later on in, in my college career that I wanted to work in film. And so now I'm kind of backtracking and kind to lay trying to lay a foundation and learn uh, more of the technicalities of, of the creativity in the, in the industry. What kind of films do you want to make? Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big comic book kid. You know, I, I, as a kid, my dad brought my brother and I and my sister, these two big cardboard boxes that seemed like they weighed a hundred pounds. Uh, and they had his whole comic book collection from when he was a kid. And I remember over a summer, uh, you know, when I was young, pouring through those comic books and becoming so inspired by those, uh, and at around the same time, that's when I was introduced as a as a young kid to Star Wars. And so I have this this really unique connection to not only comic books, but sci fi. Uh, and those are really what have inspired my creativity, you know, throughout the years. And I would love to get into those genres. George Lucas went to my film school, man. So I feel like I was inspired by him as a as a young filmmaker myself. But here's a curveball for you because you're on the Gamer Hour. Could you ever see yourself making a video game? Yes. You look at a lot of these games over the last five years, uh, story games, God of War, The Last of Us, uh, Halo. Uh, these these games have really transcended uh, FPS. They've really transcended RPG, and they've gone to the point where they have these cult followings who are in the games just for the story. Uh, so I'm such a fan of all of um, the storytelling that's in it. You can see the same techniques that you see in modern films in these games. Um, and so I've actually reached out to some of these uh, these creators of video games and I've said, hey, like, I wanna know, how did you transition here? What what made you transition from wanting to pursue you know, the film world to wanting to tell your stories in video games? Uh, because I think it's just as, just as compelling. Chris, we not only love storytelling in movies, but also storytelling in video games. You told me that Titanfall 2 is one of the greatest FPS experiences ever. 
Now, was it the connection between the Titan and the pilot? The heart-pumping action scenes of fighting while time-traveling? What made Titanfall 2 go down as one of your all-time favorites? You know, uh, I always say that movies are hard because in a short period of time, you want to make someone care about a character. You want to make them care about what's going on in the conflict. And in a video game, it's the same problem. Uh, you know, you have a, a certain number of hours to make someone care about these characters. And I think that Titanfall 2 uh, did what a lot of FPS games don't necessarily do. It connected with people on a on a, a human level. You know, you saw the humanity in BT, which is a robot. Uh, and an AI, you you connected with BT. You understood the struggles of Jack Cooper. You you began to understand what this intergalactic war that was taking place was about. And at some point, you could really see you know the struggle from both sides and this power struggle for land and territory. Uh, and so it became real. How incredible was that time travel sequence where you're actually fighting through two different time periods? It was amazing. It was amazing. And I think that that. Uh, right there, you know, you're starting to see more games try to simulate that and simulate two uh, real time rendered uh, scenes at the same time. But when that game came out, that was that was kind of that was really revolutionary. People were talking about that at one level for months after that game released. And uh, it's still it's still a great play to this day. So I would encourage anyone who hasn't played Titanfall 2 to just play it and then think about when that game came out. And how it feels in your hands. It, it really is revolutionary. Absolutely. Now, I know this is a hard one because you're also a Halo guy. But which campaign's better? Titanfall 2 or Halo 2? Tough one. Uh, I, I'm going to have to go to go to Halo. Uh, because what, what uh, Bungie and 343, uh, really Bungie, was able to do with Halo 1 and Halo 2 changed the gaming industry forever. Uh they're, they were really on the forefront of telling these stories that were bigger and greater and grander uh, than everything that was going on. And it was so well connected. But not only that, they were able to map these controls to a controller. And, and that really uh, has made video games so accessible like it is today. Um, and so I think Halo 1 and Halo 2, uh, for me, will always be the GOATs uh, because we don't, get, we don't get Call of Duty if we don't have Halo. They're, they're the games that really set the standard for all the FPS games to follow that we have today. Sure, for sure. And now everyone thinks of them as normal and standard. But at one point, that was revolutionary. And Halo was when it was revolutionary. Yep. Now you're playing Titanfall Battle Royale, a.k.a. Apex Legends. Uh, have you been on the Apex train since season one? Or are you fairly new to Respawn's BR? I'm fairly new compared to most people because believe it or not, the first time that I played Apex Legends, I jumped into a game and I won the first game that I ever played and I was not that impressed. Uh, I was uh, sorely missing some of the mechanics and the movement from Titanfall uh, and I thought that it fell short of that expectation for me. Uh, but I revisited the game and I think uh, season six and fell in love with it. And I saw the the characters that they were adding, the lore that they added, uh, and some of the balance changes that they made. And I really started to see what the vision was for Apex. And I've been playing it uh, really since season seven and a half, eight. Um, so uh, I've really been into it seriously for about a year now. Uh, and, and I'm a big fan of where it's going. And they're adding even more Titanfall content. 
Now, you're not just into shooter games, you're also into real-time strategy games as well. What is it about this genre of gaming that made you fall in love with it? Um, I think uh, <laughs> it sounds terrible, but when I was a little kid, I liked to control things. Uh, I was always a little kid who would take uh, uh, objects and devices and take them apart, learn how they work, put them back together, because I, that means I mastered that thing. Uh, you know, and, and RTS games were really the, the video game equivalent of that. You know, I could control an army, I could balance an economy, I could have control over a battlefield and I could push and win. Uh, and so I, I played a number of, um, RTS games, whether it was age of empires, whether it was command and conquer, uh, my personal favorite was battle for middle Earth two. Um, and I just really loved the way that those games could, uh, allow you to exert a, a sense of strategy and control. Um, and I was a big fan of that. You know, I'm, I, I love war history and, you know, why not fight those battles ourselves? I, half the games you listed off there were, was my childhood as well. Rome Total War was huge, Command and Conquer General. So, dude, we're, we're speaking the same language here. Now, gaming is a social experience and is the entertainment medium that has kept your family close over the years. From you playing back in the day with your brothers, your cousins, and dad on split screen. Are you still gaming with your family today? Uh, not as much as we used to, but, but we still find time to do it. Who was the most competitive, though? Was it you or any particular brother, or were you, were you top dog? Um, I think that we were all very competitive at different things. I think, uh, as we got older, my, my cousins kind of transitioned to Madden and 2k and, and they're very big into those games. And I kind of am not a huge fan of those. And I, I became more competitive in, in strategy games and, and shooters. And my brother's definitely more of a strategy shooter person as well. Streaming has really opened the door to connect with your fans on a more personal level. Uh, when you hop into the streams now, does it feel like you're putting on a show for an audience like you do on Sundays or more just a hangout spot with friends at this point? Uh, it's more of a hangout spot. You know, I have my stream, you know, it's, you know how streaming can be. It can be very volatile. You can have a bunch of people viewing and sometimes it can just be that core group. Uh, but that core group is always there. And with my core group, uh, I feel like it's just hanging out. You know, we're just chatting. We're catching up. Uh, a lot of us know what's going on, you know, general stuff in each other's lives. And we honestly want to know how those things are going. Now, Chris, we always open uh, every show up to the community. Uh, we're going to start off with Laffy Duck here. Uh, question, what's your favorite movie and favorite filmmaker? I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan, how he can take uh, things that you would normally say aren't grounded in reality and he can somehow make a way to make it make sense. Um, and I'm not sure if that's completely and totally him or if he just does a really good job of putting people, experts in different fields together to kind of bend the science to make it real. Uh, but there are a number of times where Christopher Nolan has has taken a concept and he has really hammered it out to the point where you go, well, you know, that could actually happen. Uh, he's even he's even grounded things as fantastical as, you know, Batman and the Dark Knight into a place where Bruce Wayne was a believable character that you thought, hey, that could actually happen. And then favorite film, um, I always go back to this film uh, just because I can watch this film. It doesn't matter how many times I watch it, I love it. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing uh, is just such a, such a big movie. Uh, I just remember watching it for the first time and just being hooked, and I've watched it every single time and had the same reaction. Um, I actually have some renovation going on in my theater here at my house. And as soon as it's done on Friday, that's the first movie I'm going to watch.
going back to your favorite film, I love it. Every time I see the movie Gattaca play, same thing for me. It doesn't matter if it's halfway through towards the end or the very beginning, I, I will then watch it and then all the way through. So I know the villain. DaintyCalf346 wants to know, Marvel versus DC, what's it gonna be? Uh, you know, when I was reading comics as a kid, I was a really big DC fan, a uh, humongous DC fan. And I still uh, love what DC does with their comics. Uh, I feel like the stories are very compelling uh, and, and they do dip into kind of that darker side. Uh, but what Marvel's really been able to do with their cinematic universe is unparalleled. Uh, the continuity is huge. Uh, the, the film, the way that the films agree with each other and they, they don't really necessarily break the rules that have been set in that universe uh, is impressive. And to be able to do that over 11 years is, I mean, I don't know if we're going to see anyone else really get to this level and do this. I think they're hoping that star Wars does it at some point, uh, but that's going to be a really tall task. Um, but I'm, I'm so impressed uh, by what they're doing. And so, you know, given the fact that most people don't read comic books, I would say, Hey man, stick with the Marvel films. But if you're really you know, available and ready to do the the dirty work, jump into those comics. You're going to know everything that happens before it happens, but it makes it so much better. And final question from Yoki. You hold the highest vertical leap in the NFL at 45 inches. How did you learn to jump so high? Uh, lots of practice, lots of reps. You know, I just, that's something that we always did at kids, whether we were outside playing or, or whether we were running around, it was always, it was always being active. And I think that, uh, someone actually beat my record this year, but because there was no combine, uh, it didn't beat my record. But there was a kid who jumped to 46 this year. I don't know how official it was, but uh, very impressive. Very impressive. Uh, it's not it's not that easy to get up there like that. Chris, great to hear. Are you ready to jump into a match of Apex Legends? I am. Great. Strap on your headset. It's game time. To listen and see the full interview, including gameplay with our guest, visit thegamerhour.com.